I hear something. Do I hear Dawn? I hear something. Oh, I hear Dawn. I'm doing research on dog bites. Oh, hey, there's Tom. How about that? There's DN. <laughs> DN? Yeah. She doesn't have her camera That's on. That's what it says on the thing. She doesn't, oh. have, she doesn't have her camera on, so she, I just get her logo. I don't have my camera on? Oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> you don't say. Yep. He just did. <laughs> Let's see here. What are the big dog bite capitals? Number one, Los Angeles. Number two, Houston. Oh. LA's number one for everything. Okay, I got the... Uh, we got the beginning, and uh, Scott brought the book. The book? The book of philatelic topics. I brought a book. Ah. This is Philately, Volume 2, G to P. Ooh. So we're, we're just going to open it up somewhere in the middle. Where? We're going to talk about... Odontometry? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can't even pronounce it. How are you going to talk about it? I don't know. It's not <laughs> something I've read about. Um, I'm having issues with the Google Docs. O o odontometry, the French term for perforation gauge. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about perforation I it, gauge? I thought it had something to do with braces. No, we, we can talk about the perfection gauge. That's because your cable's on it. You Look, mean the precision gauge. I'm sorry, the precision. And you can correct me while we're talking about it because I'm sure I'm going to call it perfection too often. Okay. okay, we got a topic. Okay. Are you ready we'll, to do we'll, we'll talk about the different types of gauges. I hear a lot of traffic on your side. Are you like in the middle of the road? <laughs> yes, I am. Can you tell? <laughs> yes, we can hear something backing up. <laughs> That would be me. What <laughs> <laughs> the hell? I getting, have no idea what that is. It's getting louder. It is. Well, fine. I can shut the window. That's probably a good idea. It probably is. It, it'll help anyway. It, it would. <clears throat> well, we don't know that, but we know it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> They got a quarter of a page on. They got a quarter of a page on well, off center. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a that's a big difference. Okay, how's that? Wonderful. Ready for a countdown? Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. 
Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Gobbler's Knob, the Postmaster saw his shadow, so six more weeks of stamp collecting. This is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 158. I'm Cash. They say never meet your heroes, but I met Brad Pitt. I think he handled it very well. This is Scott. We won an award? This is Tom. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. And you wore that to the podcast? Yes, I did. That's okay. You were probably in a hurry. So, our top story. In Rocky River, Ohio, postal carriers say a rafter of aggressive wild turkeys have prevented them from delivering mail to more than two dozen homes in a Cleveland suburb. A rafter? Hold on. A rafter? Is that what a group of turkeys is called? Yeah, that well, is what a group of turkeys is well, called. Well, you have a gaggle of geese, so why not a rafter of turkeys? I, I Can you pull it up real quick? Do a search. What do you call a group of turkeys? I want to see if this is correct. I have never heard of a rafter of turkeys. Well, you put cash in a group and you call it a rafter. <laughs> <laughs> you can I like edit murder that pros. Out. I think that's awesome. You, you can edit that out if you want. <laughs> but Don't. I just, or I'll just cricket. <laughs> you could do that. Hold on, Tom is looking it up because I, I want to see if this is correct. See, it's not very often you get to learn something on a podcast. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Internet sources report that residents on a number of streets in Rocky River have had to pick up their mail at the post office because the turkeys have created unsafe conditions for carriers to deliver to their homes. Yeah, because they go gobble, gobble, gobble and chase you. Oh. I've been chased by birds. It's not fun. Well, turkeys are big birds, so they're kind of a little more scary than the pigeons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I was chased around by a goose. That thing was nasty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, turkeys are as big or bigger than geese. Yeah, exactly. Swans are pretty mean, too. Yes, yes, they are. Rocky River Mayor Pam Bobst. Who is also, surprisingly, the co-inventor of the tube sock. Yes. Said the problem has persisted for the last three weeks. City ordinances... Don't allow for the turkeys to be eradicated, she said. Ooh, you have to pass a law to eradicate a turkey rafter? Uh, eradicate like cook them and eat them. Yeah. Well, we have an issue with coyotes down here. Call the pilgrims. And it was illegal to do anything about it. Mm. Well, I did my little research here, and they don't have anything on turkeys, but did you know that in 2016, because they don't have 2017 numbers up yet, 
6,755 mail carriers were bitten by dogs. And how many were bitten by turkeys? Yeah, that's it. Hold on. Let's see. Hold on, hold on, hold on. None. They turned around and went the other way. Well, the number one city, there were 80 dog bites in Los, Los Angeles, 62 in Houston, Texas, 60 in Cleveland. I'm looking. What's the name of this town? Don. Don? I, I'm sorry. I scrolled past the turkeys. Oh. Uh, Rocky River, Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. They don't have anything here. Because uh, they're bitten by turkeys. Yeah, I know. Well, they don't. Ha- I mean, maybe they'd have a footnote. Well, maybe they weren't bitten, just chased. Yeah, good point. They they got the memo from the dogs. Postmen don't taste good. Yeah. <laughs> San Diego, number four at 57 dog bites. Well, I've lived in San Diego, and I can tell you for sure that they like their pit bulls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their pickup trucks. Oh, yeah. Long Beach, 22. New Orleans, 25. But then you get beads. <laughs> Sorry for the turkeys. They have a really great turkey picture, too. It's a turkey holding a uh, submachine gun, armed to the teeth. Turkeys don't have Are teeth. you going to put that on our Facebook page? I think I will. I'm, I think I'm, you should. Yeah. This is an aggressive-looking, militarily armed turkey. Mm-hmm. And then also the picture of the rafter of turkeys. Yeah. Uh, okay, since we're on a break. Hey, Cash, guess what I got? What? I ordered it from Amazon. We have reusable chopsticks, but I got a set that is so awesome. They're wood, and they have a dragon on them. Oh, cool. They're super cool. Oh, it says right here, what tur- the story behind... Turkeys being called a rafter. Let's see if this is at all interesting. Okay. Uh, it comes from the 1830s variant of raft or heap, large amount, from Middle English. So it's a raft of turkeys is a flock. A rafter is a colloquialism. From an inflection of the word. Can I try that again? Yeah, a raft. So it's a raft of turkeys that changed into rafter of turkeys. And well, turkeys are raptors. Yeah, I know are that. They not? That's kind of what I thought it would be related to. Is you know, rafter is something that has to do with raptor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Are we going to uh, talk about stamps today? Sure. Let's open up the book and see what we got. We already did. Okay. <laughs> that that would be very convenient considering this is a stamp collecting podcast. Well, you know, uh, op- just opening up the book at random, I opened up and uh, it, it's just kind of like a encyclopedia of uh, stamp terms and things you find out about stamps. And so we picked a book and we opened it up and the word of the day is odontometry. It is the French term for perforation gauge. So today we're going to talk about perforation gauges. The perforation <laughs> gauge was invented in 1880, or was given the name in 1886 
by its inventor, Dr. Legrand of Paris. And that is why we use the French term. Legrand. Hand me the Legrand. And, and that is when he devised the method still used today to determine the gauge of a stamp's perforations. He used the number of perforations in the space of two centimeters as the gauge. That's the quick and dirty definition. Now, to get to stamps, how many different perforation gauges can you think of? Well, there's only one that matters. And as a matter of fact, Danny, I just ordered two of them. And I want to thank the guys who uh, shipped them to us because they shipped them to the wrong address. Oops, because we'd moved. Oops. And so they reshipped them. But the, uh, the thing that we use here and a real necessity for any stamp collector is the Precision. What, what, what's the full name? The, US, the Precision U.S. Specialist, Specialist Gauge. Gauge. Yes. It is, a, it is a clear plastic template. Which is uh, like four inches by nine inches. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's clear and it's printed with black. And uh, it's got all sorts of stuff that are useful to U.S. stamp collectors. A lot of it will apply worldwide, but some of it is very specific to U.S. That's why it's the U.S. US Precision Special Specialist Gauge. gauge. So it includes things like how to tell the difference between a rotary and a flat plate printing. Which is... On Washington Franklin's? Fantastic little thing. It's just a little template. Very easy because you can put it on your stamp and you can immediately tell without having to fiddle with something to measure it. Yeah, Uh, you don't line it up and go, is this 19 and a quarter millimeters or 19 and a half millimeters? No, you just pop it on the little template and it's like, it doesn't touch the black line. It's flat. Yeah. That's it. Or it does. Or it does. Or it's rotary. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it makes it really easy. Um, it's also got templates for grills. And it's got template for large and small hole that's a perforations. Biggie. That's a biggie. Uh, that, that's what I, probably the biggest reason why I would grab that gauge. Um, simply because I have other ways of, of looking at uh, other characteristics. But the, it's pretty much the only small hole large hole comparison uh, standard that I have well the cool thing though about this gauge is it has a perforation gauge over on the side it's got the it's lines. got a multi-gauge so so you can you can line it up and say okay this is you know a perf 13 and a quarter or something but it has it has a built-in casalis gauge. Well, th- let's explain the multi-gauge first. Okay. The multi-gauge is just a ba- uh, um, basically a bunch of uh, lines that are uh, drawn so that as you move up or down the scale, the the lines get wider or narrower, and that'll it, and so it corresponds. I mean, you can get uh, you can probably read a gauge down to. Uh, a tenth or a twentieth of a millimeter based on this because those lines are continuous. You have to have this. If you collect uh, stamps of Switzerland, you got to have this gauge because they have... This type of gauge, This type of gauge because, you know, it's not... You you have 13 and a half by 12 and a quarter. 
which doesn't show up anywhere else on any other gauges. And it's just a world for determining the Swiss stamps. Uh, another thing to note is um, most of the perforations listed in the Scott catalog, which is what we use as a, as a reference here in the States, is uh, they're rounded to the nearest one quarter. And uh, they used to be rounded to the nearest half. And now they're rounded to the nearest quarter when they're listed. And so you might have a, a stamp that actually gauges uh, 11.8, and it'll be listed as perf 12. Yep. Well, it's not really perf 12. It's 11.8. And this gauge will actually tell you, and it'll land on 11.8, and you'll be able to tell that. So when you get the specialized literature or the newer listings, which actually do sometimes list it that way, then you can tell. Now, the important part is, for me, you know, we're PSE, but identification of the stamp is important. You have to tell whether it's perf 11, 11 and a half, 10, whatever. But we want to also see, is it reperforated? Yes. And how does the precision gauge help you there? Well, first of all, um, the precision gauge also includes uh, a gauge system that was developed by Cusalis, who is... Uh, a guy from the mid-20th century, he developed uh, this perforation gauge based on the fact that the U.S. stamps were, um, when they designed the perforators, they were using the English measurement system of inches, and they were measured in thousandths of an inch. Well, today we know that the, the perforation gauges are generally, our measurements are based on centimeters, so you have a metric gauge listing, and you actually have stamps that were perforated uh, based on thousandths of an inch measurements. And so you can have different gauges in the U.S. that will all gauge the same, like perf 12 and or perf 11 or perf or, 10. Yeah, perf 10, and then you and, have 1066. And, 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 they have, and they have different English measurements. So the, like the perf 10, you can have 10 with that's 79 thousandths of a millimeter between perf holes. You can have 1080 or 1081. And all of these were used for, these were used on different issues. And so through Cusalis's research, he, deter, he was able to determine when these measurements were in use and therefore when, uh, which issues these would apply to. So knowing that, you're able to use this gauge for a super accurate, you don't have to use the multi-gauge section, you can use this specialized section for U.S. stamps. And it also applies to uh, Canadian stamps, because the early Canadian stamps were printed by banknote companies that were owned partially or wholly by American companies. Well, like uh, with the coils, Perf 10s, uh -huh. you have... 10, or I'm sorry, not the coils, the, the flat or the uh, regular issues. You have perf 1066. That's 12. I'm sorry, 1266. And what's the, the other one? 1267. 1267. So the fakers, yeah, they tend to sometimes kind of get it right around, you know, sort well, of. But when you line it up here and it's not 10, 1266 you know that it's reperforated. Well, if, if you're putting it, if you're using a metric gauge 
to get perf 12, it's not going to land right on 1266, which is what you need to have for a properly perforated perf 12 American stamp. So here, so, you, so here you have a piece of plastic with a bunch of printing on it that for 16 bucks you can use to expertize your stamps. You can start to it out. 16 bucks? Yeah, I just... Wow. We just bought two of them, yeah. I remember buying mine, and I thought nine bucks was expensive yeah. <laughs> for a perforation gauge. But I, brought, I bought it way back when it first came out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're the absolutely uh, essential to have one of these if you're a U.S. or Canadian collector. Because those Kusalis gauges are, yeah, yeah. particularly U.S., is very valuable. Now, for expertizing coils, at the far end of the gauge, there's this really great grid layout. It's, it's a fantastic grid. And you look at it and go, oh, it's a grid, who cares? Put a coil stamp on it. It'll measure how far it is from the straight edges. And uh, you need to be... 25 millimeters you know that's the ultimate sort of goal it varies up and down and stuff like that but you know if you have 25 millimeters well certain certain coils uh are known to be either bigger or smaller uh other ones you know the more common ones uh the goal is to have it right at 25 but they can be bigger or small so uh it's not a death sentence if you're not exactly on 25 but it is a death sentence if you're crooked (laughs) <laughs> yes. If the sides are not parallel, that's not a good thing. And that really, really is obvious when you put it on this little grid thing. Yes. When you have a, a I mean, I've told this several times, when you have a, a stamp that can be faked by an eight-year-old. With a pair have, of scissors. With a pair of scissors, you got a problem. Well, the eight-year-old with a pair of scissors isn't going to cut those perfs off straight. Generally not. And it's also not going to be twenty anywhere close to 25 millimeters. Generally not. So, you know, the... But, you know, that also works with any... Uh, with perforations, too. They should essentially be parallel on opposite sides. So you can still use the grid for a, uh, for a perforated stamp, too. Yeah. To tell if the perforations are parallel. So I don't have mine in front of me, but I have the numbers written down. It's... Uh, 25 millimeters for the uh, hor- per, uh, the verticals, or I'm sorry, the horizontals, and 21 and a half for the verticals, correct? Yes. That's the goal. That's the goal. So if you have one that's 20 and a half, it doesn't mean it's fake. It means it's suspect. But it, there's a red flag. So if you're not on 25 by 21 and a half, you got red flags, you need more research, but it doesn't mean that it's fake, whereas if you... I'm going to say if you hit 20... But if it's 22, that's also a red flag because it could be an imperforate stamp yeah. that was uh, that had perforations added. So, uh, I mean, either way can bite you. And like I said, you know, 21 and a half is... That's just going to tell you that it's not a, a trimmed perforated stamp, right. more than likely. But, you know, we do have jumbo perforated stamps, and they weren't always uh, necessarily collected. Sometimes people saw a jumbo stamp, and they'd trim the perforations off. Yep. So, I mean, just destroying a really great perforated stamp to get a fake coil. 
or you have what's probably more common is the uh, straight edge. Yeah, a lot of straight times, edges tend to be pretty big. Uh, yes, sometimes. But you have to watch out because a lot of times they'll have a guideline. Usually pretty much experience is going to tell you where the guideline is on these things. Because um, I, I don't recall any reference that actually tells you how far the guideline is out from the design of the stamps uh, for all the different issues. Oh, You might find it probably, here or there. but Yeah, it probably varies all over the place. It does to a certain extent, yes. But, uh, yeah, you just, uh, nobody, I guess, has really thought to make notes over the years and then publish a reference for that. So if you want to gain, like, oh, let's say 150,000 experience points <laughs> by the Precision United States Specialist Gauge, uh, I don't know who sells it. I mean, I just went online. I typed that in, and uh, it brings you to a website, and you give them your credit card, and they mail it to you. I forget what the name of the company is, though. You can, should be able to buy them on Amazon and eBay as well. Yeah, it comes in a nice little slip case. And um, you should also be able to buy them from your local stamp supply store or, you know, mail order through from a stamp supply store. Or you might go out to West Virginia, have a person whittle one for you. You use, use the local uh, craftsman to make one for you. No, can't do that. So how about the first person that sends me a postcard, not a letter, a postcard with the words U.S. Precision Specialist Gauge <laughs> on it, we will send you a complimentary precision gauge. Ooh. 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 That's it. Is this giving stuff away now. You bet. We've given away a small handful of things, a couple slabs. What else? A lot of we? bad jokes. A lot of bad jokes. Oh, too many of those. A whole rafter of them. If I get more than 10 responses, I'll come up with uh, a second and a third place. Uh, I just give them more. <laughs> they're, they're, if, I, if I get at least 10 responses, I'll give a second. And if I get 20, I'll give a third. Well, you know, the last time we did one, we got like, 25 responses so you better plan on having a couple of these we'll do that okay well and you're not gonna so get, it's not like you're gonna get them like one at 10 a.m and one at noon and <laughs> when you go pick up the mail they're all gonna be there or they're not yeah so you may well, get that, 15 on one day and you're gonna that, have to do like a lottery in that case i'll do a random draw uh, and i'll I'll, uh, I'll put tom to work and i'll have him i'll hold the, the a, a bowl way up high and he'll pick a name yeah, but then foreign people, well, I guess foreign people aren't going to want a U.S. precision gauge necessarily. Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people around the world collect United States stamps. Yeah. So it's not necessarily restricted to the U.S. Yeah, I, I haven't. Uh, our statistics are right now our number two country is uh, Canada. And I'm going to look at the postmark, not just at when we receive it. I'm going to look at the date on the postmark Ooh. to determine. <laughs> to determine. Oh, see, now you're going to try and get down to timing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know this is going to go up at like 6 o'clock tonight. That's fine. Hey, Scott. Yes? 
Where should they send the postcards? Give them an address. Oh, yes. that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just take a postcard, Let's, hand, uh, it to, hand it to the pe- people, and say, "Get this to Scott and Cash as quick as possible." <laughs> Let's have them send it to Stamp Show here today, Post Office Box five three nine three zero nine, Henderson, Nevada, USA. Eight nine zero five three dash nine three zero nine. There will be tons of mail. Calvin will have to bring a truck to carry all the postcards. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to hearing for hearing your responses. And, and everybody else, you- honestly, go online, look for the precision gauge. Take a look at it. If you collect U.S. stamps at any level, you are going to want one of these. This is not just a perforation gauge like that they print in the back of, you know, some matchbook or something. This is, the, you'll see the perforation gauge on the right side, and then a whole bunch of, a whole, like I said, a whole rafter of other stuff. Well, one thing you didn't even cover on that gauge is it also has uh, different gauges for private perfs. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It also has the uh, borders for the uh, one cent eighteen fifty one to eighteen fifty nine stamp. Fun stuff. Anything else on uh, precision gauges or perf gauges at all? Well, I think that pretty much covers it for me. Okay. Well, since you're giving everything well, away, I have a question, Cash. What do you? What gauge is an imperforate stamp? Aha. I, I the question I used to always ask uh, dealers is an imperforated stamp perf one or perf zero? How many paper separations? And it also depends on whether it's a U.S. Sta- uh, definition or a British definition, because U.S. counts paper attachment, and Britain counts holes. So in Britain, there would be zero holes on an imperforated stamp. But in the United States, there is one paper attachment. It's one big, long paper attachment that goes from one end of the sheet to the other. So in the United States, an imperforated stamp is perf one. And in Britain, it's perf zero. So I I have uh, had that discussion with several people. And uh, well, here, I here, got some really obnoxious comments. And I got people who said, uh, yeah, good point. Well, here's here's one. Uh, it has no perforations, hence why it's called imperforate. So he, yeah, but here's what, one what afterthought. What number is it? Here's one afterthought. Um, we have rouletting as a type of perf separation, mm-hmm. and the multi gauge on uh, on the precision the multi gauge section on the per, uh, precision gauge will help you determine the gauge of the rouletting, yep. and that can make a big difference in uh, pricing. The battleships, yep. The battleship issues, they have two different perforations that, that nobody do. cared about until about 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden they started appearing in the catalog. And all of a sudden people go, wow, you mean that this 35 cent stamp is actually worth $30? And go, yep. Yeah. The uh, A regular perforation gauge a lot of times is difficult to use with a rouletted stamp. But the multi-gauge is definitely yep. much, much better. It is It is a great piece of equipment. It's one of the five pieces of equipment every stamp collector should have. Bonus. Bonus. Any last words, Don? Well, actually, yes. Um, Cash, we need to address Patrick. Oh. 
Address him. Hello, Patrick. Oh, okay, Cash and I got an email from Patrick this week. And, it was uh, yesterday, right? Patrick? Oh. Cash, what are you doing? Stepping on my line. And uh, first of all, Patrick, thank you for the recipe. I am going to definitely be trying that. And secondly, the countdown stays. <laughs> You're welcome, Patrick. <laughs> Since we're into the petering out section of the show, let me uh, give Arapex a plug because we're going to be there in, what, two weeks? Uh, Next week. Well, actually, it'll be le- uh, just over a week from when you post this podcast. Yeah. So, Arapex mm-hmm. in, uh, in Arizona, February 16th to 18th at the Mesa Convention Center, 263 North Center Street in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, Friday and Saturday, 10 to 6, Sunday, 10 to 3, free parking, five bucks to get in, good for all three days. I hope to see a bunch of you there at Arapex. That's it. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Don. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper@gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.